happy chat. It's such a joy. Um, thank you so much for joining us for the first of these two um, seminars called um, Desserts and Grand Disciples. The desserts were incredible. Thank you so much if you brought them. Um, such a delight. Thank you so much, Emily, obviously, for hosting. Really kind of you um, and Clarky to have us. Um, and thank you all so much for coming. Hopefully it'll be a really joyful evening um, and a really encouraging one at that. So I've asked Margaret to pray for us to start. Um, Dear Father God, we thank you for this evening. Uh, we thank you for the blessing of this opportunity to gather together um, and to you know, share our lives with each other. Um, to share fellowship, to share food, um, and all of the gifts that we have. Um, yeah, Lord, we just pray that um, you would you know, speak uh, clearly to us in your word this evening um, and in the teaching, uh, and yeah, that we would uh, leave um, desiring to be in closer communion with your son um, and with all of our um, brothers and sisters um, in this church family and in our Christian family as well. Um, yeah, we thank you so much, Lord, and we thank you for the gift of your son um, and that he died and he rose again for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 So hopefully everyone should have um, one of these wee handouts. If you haven't, I can come and give you one and access to the Bible. Um, and it'd be great if you could just spend literally two minutes, so maybe just with the person next to you for this first bit, chatting about those first two questions. Um, what have you really valued about different um, Christian relationships you've had, whether really close friends or wider church family? And how and why have they been such an encouragement to you? So two minutes, go. This, I mean, that is so encouraging, because actually all that chat means that there are so many ways that um, people have been blessed by brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is something to praise God for. And so much of what we've said are essentially um, ways in which we have experienced the blessing of discipleship, of having brothers and sisters who walk beside us as we walk through life, trying to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. And we're doing this seminar not just because we um, have found discipleship to be valuable, though that's really true, but actually because we're going to see that it is something that is very important to the Lord Jesus himself. In fact, we're going to learn that discipleship is actually, should be at the heart of all of our interactions as Christians um, with one another. So we're going to look at Jesus' final words in Matthew's Gospel. I've printed it on the handout for you. This is Jesus speaking to his own disciples as he sends them out to go and spread the good news of um, the Gospel and then to make more disciples. So Hillary's going to read it for us. <coughs> And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thanks. So disciple just means follower. And in these verses, we can see that a disciple is one who believes in Jesus, who listens to Jesus, who obeys Jesus, and who follows Jesus. <coughs> and if we looked at the wider um, context of Matthew, we could also ask that a disciple is one who loves Jesus. And just a few reflections um, 
from this. It, it would fit the bullet points, but you don't have to bring them down if you want to. Um, <laughs> you know, so I can do numbers. Um, firstly, Jesus himself defines discipleship for us. So we can see that it's a bit of a two-stage pro- um, process. So baptising them, number one, and then teaching them to obey. So firstly, there's a command to invite people to meet Jesus. And then secondly, there's a command to help people who've chosen to follow Jesus to do just that to learn to listen to him and to obey him. So I think um, as a church, we spent quite a lot of time recently thinking about that first stage, about our evangelism and our call to evangelism. But this seminar is just all about that second stage. How do we spur (coughs) one another on in the Christian life as we seek to follow Jesus? Secondly, Jesus commands discipleship of us. So just like Jesus commanded his own um, original 12 disciples, he commands each one of us to go and to make disciples. So disciple-making is actually an essential part of what it means to be a disciple. Thirdly, um, Jesus disciples all nations. God's mission is to welcome (coughs) people from every country in the world to his family. And we are to share in this mission. Uh, One implication I've been reflecting on is then our discipleship of one another shouldn't be restricted to just like three or four people that are people like us or our busy pals. And we'll loop back to that later, but just getting the thoughts going. Um, for it, Jesus is the focus of discipleship. Um, that might sound super obvious, but I think it's really, really important that we let that one sink in. A Christian is someone who bears the name of the triune God. And therefore, it is him that we listen to and it's him that we obey. So when we're making disciples, we're not making disciples of ourselves, we're making disciples of the Lord Jesus. (coughs) Jesus is the saviour, Jesus is the Lord, not us. Um, This is a warning for us, and (coughs) at least some of us will have seen the huge damage and chaos and devastation that has been wreaked by um, ministers or leaders trying to make disciples of themselves of creating a cult where people follow them rather than follow the Lord Jesus. But I hope that this is also a wonderful freedom for us. Because actually, because we're not saying, look at us, but we're saying, look at Jesus, be like Jesus, follow Jesus, is massively, massively liberating. Because actually, however sinful we are or weak we feel, however immature we might feel in the faith or inadequate we might feel in our Bible knowledge, we're saying, look at Jesus, not look at us. And so we're totally free from any worry about ourselves. And finally, we're going to see that Jesus is with us in discipleship. This is absolutely brilliant news, that the Lord Jesus is with us in this great task. And what a privilege it is to be partners with him in this, that we've been handpicked by the Lord of the cosmos to participate in this work of helping others to strive towards glory. So if we are followers of Jesus, I hope that we've already seen that we are both a disciple and a disciple maker simultaneously. And it might all start to sound a bit theoretical at that point, but essentially it's saying that we are fellow children of God, that we are co-heirs with Christ, (coughs) and God has gifted us to one another. The people in this room are a gift to you from God. It's an amazing, amazing poet. And so when God makes us into a new creation... Part of what he does is he makes us to serve one another, to encourage one another, 
towards eternity and towards being more in love with and more in likeness of the Lord Jesus. Now, you might already be feeling a little bit daunted and um, it's worth acknowledging that we all know personally that we are definitely not the finished article. But actually, we know that is true of every single one of us. None of us are the finished article. So that shouldn't hold us back from this great call to discipleship. Because the truth is, that it is God who is at work within us. We are all sinners saved by grace, and it is his grace at work within us to help one another to love Jesus more. Now, I've just found that really, really freeing. So we don't have to wait until we feel fully equipped or fully knowledgeable or fully established. And we're going to come back to that, and I hope that's a truth that we just really enjoy tonight. So we've seen the great cool of discipleship, and now it's time to look at the goal of discipleship. There is an aim um, in mind, and it is an absolutely stunning one. So I, I spent loads of time starting which passages to give you because they are just so joyful. But I've given you three on the sheet and a couple of questions to just think about in small groups. Um, you don't have a massive long to do this, but have a punt um, and enjoy them for about six, seven minutes. Well, passages, don't worry if you haven't done all the questions. Um, <laughs> There was lots of chat, so we can do this in 30 seconds, I'm sure. Just share some of the priorities um, that the New Testament writers have for the churches and the individuals that they're writing to. What are, what are kind of the governing priorities and goals uh, they're going for? To be ready. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, that came up a couple of times, didn't it? Maturity on the final day. <coughs> Anything else you want to add? Righteous. Righteous. Heidi's doing great. She's reading our list. I'm sure other people got lists. I heard a happy chat. But um, it, is, it is really um, worthwhile just really mulling these passages. And you can go through the whole New Testament and say, what is, what is their priority for people they're writing about? What is their priority in their prayers? It reveals so much their heart and their deep care and their deep desire um, for the churches and the individuals they're writing to. And 2 Peter is clear, isn't it? Um, the Christian life is a waiting game, but it is a waiting game with an absolutely certain, unshakable, unchangeable hope. It is also clear that um, in the Christian life, we're not just left to kind of like tread water. We're not it's not like you're saved and then you're just treading water and then Jesus is going to come back. But actually, there's a real purpose in the Christian life. We're called to run together the race that has been marked out for us. We are to pursue Jesus because the great goal is that on that final day, we will be presented pure and blameless before our God and our King. That is the prayer, that is the priority, that is the passion and the encouragement of so many of the New Testament writers. It should be our goal as individuals for our whole lives, and it should be our goal for one another, for our church families, <coughs> for our children, for our friends, that they too might be presented pure and blameless on that final day when Jesus Christ returns and puts the whole world right 
It is a wonderful thing. And it's been something that I've been reflecting on, actually, the great privilege that when we go to church on a Sunday, um, there are literally hundreds of people there with whom we're going to share eternity. We're going to enjoy the new creation with Jesus together. And even more specifically than that, that actually there are loads of people there who really care that I get there, who really care that you get there, who really care that we get there and are presented before Jesus, holy and blameless. And that might seem amazing, like you've never thought about it before, or that might feel really familiar and needs to be something that we need to enjoy afresh. Because it doesn't mean that those people know necessarily our wildest dreams or the names of all of our children or share all of our tastes in sport and music. But actually they care much more deeply for us because they care about spurring us on in Jesus, encouraging us to persevere in the faith and encouraging us to keep walking and keep trusting um, in the Lord Jesus. And that brings us on to the beauty of what it looks like to be discipling, disciple-making one another, to be discipling one another in the church family. And you might think, are people really doing that for you on a Sunday morning? And you're going to read these verses and you're going to go, yes, they are. Um, so there's four sections and we're going to do this in four groups and then we're going to feed back to each other. So you will have to speak in that bit. I'm sorry. So the first box, top left, is going to be the front row. Next two rows, top right. Um, long sofa, bottom left, and back little little quadrant is going to be bottom right. Um, everyone happy with what we're doing? Mm -hmm. A lull, so I'm going to cut us off there. Um, courage. Um, do you take that home? Like this could be a fantastic Bible study for the next week. Pick one of these passages each morning and just reflect on it and pray over it. Um, I found so much joy um, in reading them again this week. Um, and kind of pulling from all of those passages, um, there were just three kind of really big themes that kept coming up again and again and again, and which we slightly touched on, but I thought I'd just encourage you with. Um, firstly, it is the church as a community characterised by grace, patience and joy. Um, the front row were particularly talking about this, that although awesomely we are freed from the power of sin, actually we still live in a world really present with sin and therefore we will make mistakes and we will stumble and we may even fail spectacularly <coughs> in the Christian life. But the role of one another is that we draw alongside each other, that we point one another back to Christ, that we remind one another of grace and we remind one another of the love um, and the forgiveness that is found in the Lord Jesus. So our churches should look like a place of grace, which is a wonderful thing. Um, patience is a really interesting one. It's when they think babies take a very long time to grow. You don't have to be like an expert to know that. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised that actually we as individuals and our churches take a really long time to be transformed. So we don't need to get discouraged. We need to persevere in prayer, persevere in speech, persevere in showing grace again and again and again and again. Um, it's easy in a world of pace and immediacy that we're like, why have they not changed now? Why have we not fixed? Why is this not better? Like, you know, the Lord deals with a very different time frame. Uh, the second encouragement that we <coughs> is exactly what Alice was saying there is the one body language. It's really interesting because essentially God is saying you're all of equal value. No one is more saved or less saved. No one is more filled with the Spirit or less filled with the Spirit. No one is... Um, more a child of God, or like half a child of God, or like a little bit of a child of God, like it's, we're united with Jesus, or we're not. 
And therefore, um, as part of the body, we're also all individuals with different gifts that are used to serve and support and love and care for the body. And so it's a really interesting question um, that you might find to mull on, which is, um, what are the specific gifts and opportunities that God has given me that I can use to serve others? That's the key thing, the gifts are always to serve others. Um, big problem in the Corinthian church, they didn't want to use their gifts to serve others, they wanted to fill themselves up, but actually the call is to love and to use them for the upbuilding of the church. And the second one, which is a question, I guess, that comes off the back of that, is am I ever tempted to think that I don't need to be invested in, served by, or loved by others? Because discipleship is a two-way street, and we kind of have to accept it as well. It's a hard thing to accept challenge, like these guys are saying for someone else, just as it's a hard thing to challenge someone else. But it is a wonderful thing, because it is for our good. Um, and the final big principle is what Grace is saying. God's word does the work. Again and again and again, we're reminded of God's word, that it's God's word that we are to speak in love one to another. We're meant to allow God's word to dwell amongst us. We're meant to sing it in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. Um, we're meant to live by it as we listen to his word. It is all about God's word. And that's because God's word is truth. It's where we hear God speaking to us. It is the maker telling us the design for how we are made. It is where we know the gospel, where we're reminded of grace, where we're told the future hope. It is so, so essential. And so we always want to be thinking, how, in this world of so many voices, can we keep encouraging one another to listen to the voice of our Father, the voice of truth, the voice of our Creator and our God? How can we do that better for one another? And that draws us on to the opportunities um, that we have for disciple-making within our own church family. Um, um, these New Testament passages um, are written to churches. Um, and it can be easy, I think, to forget when we read them. But these are written to real people um, in real situations. They're written to slaves um, who are waking up in the morning, going to do a whole day of work. They're written to wives in 1 Peter who are scared of their unbelieving husbands. They're written to people who can't read, people who can't write. They're written to people who are suffering um, in prison and persecution. They're written to those who are the highest in society and the lowest, those who are married, those who are single, those who are at every stage of the Christian life. And so these commands are really to be worked out in the nitty-gritty and the fabric of our relationships as church family and um, family itself. They're not kind of like add-ons. So like we were saying at the beginning, actually being a disciple is being a disciple-maker. So this shouldn't feel like a burden. It's just part of who we are. And so the question is, how, with the wonderful freedom that God has actually given us, how can we live this out? How can we help the word to dwell amongst us? How can we speak the truth and love one to another? How can we spur one another on? How can we um, pray for one another? And so this is the time when I thought it would be really um, helpful to just hear from a couple of people their experience um, of the opportunities that people took with them and they've taken themselves um, to be one another, to be blessed um, by people putting this in practice in the real nitty-gritty, everyday, non-glamorous lookingness um, of normal life. So I've asked Ellie and Lizzie um, just to come and share. Come and share. <laughs> Ellie and Lizzie will come and share. Um, just come up, I'll carry on waffling until you're by me, it'll be great. Um, and just share um, a couple of times that they've been really blessed 
or in curry. I know it's a creepy thing. See, it's not just me. That makes me really reassured. I thought it was just me. Um, will we go around the back? Well, you could just like, we can all, I don't know. No, that's weird. <laughs> just, just lean on the table. I'll just talk really loudly so you can't hear it creak. In case it's there we go. Um, just share with us something that has um, really blessed you and why it blessed you um, and what it looked like to put some of these principles into practice and to encourage you in your life. Mm. Yeah, so when Kirsty messaged me yesterday and said, would you mind sharing something, I suddenly thought, no way. There's absolutely no way that discipleship is... I'm not a good person to speak to about that. But it is amazing how in the last 24 hours I've just been thinking through all the people. And it really emotional. I've literally got so emotional thinking about it, of all the people in my walk that the Lord has kind of put in my path. And, and the different men and women who have encouraged me and discipled me. And that is from being someone who's sort of gone to SU camp and experienced discipleship in like its loveliest form with young people. Like seeing young people be when we're looking to God, behaving so beautifully, and we were abounding in love, and we were horrible teenagers, and that was because Christ was what we were looking to that week, and then losing my faith mm-hmm. at university, and then refinding it in that community in London, and I think, but the one, the sort of discipleship group that I really, really remember, and sort of dearest to my heart, is probably the three women in Oxfordshire, where I was before here, um, we were randomly thrown together by, um, you know, the spreadsheet that puts people together in home groups. Um, although, because I'm a Christian, like looking back at it, we are three women who are completely different, and we would not have been that horrible expression PLU people like us that you were talking about. We are not three women that would have gravitated to each other normally. Um, in fact, we, as we've known each other later, we've shared that with each other, but honestly, that we would have been like, no. But we were putting a home group together, and then, weirdly, the Lord then led us to a church plant away from our home church in Oxford, to this really small little local church out with Ebbs, which was like our home church. And the three girls, um, it was a picture of discipleship where we, well, those two girls were much more, um, I would say, <coughs> their walk with the Lord had been their whole lives, and so they had so much experience to bring, and they really held me to account in my walk. They, um, they challenged me in a way that women who love the Lord and want to grow your friendship, it wasn't just friendship where we hung out and we had fun, they cared about my eternal destiny, and that is something that is really, I'm getting emotional now thinking about it, and that is something that we all have here in this room. This is not just us meeting up and eating sweets, and it is that. But we all care about each other's eternal destiny, and that sounds so spacey in kind of today's world, but those three girls saw me through. We've, we've also had an attack. That's the one that other thing I would say. When you have women who are discipling each other, and we were, we were growing each other up in, in Christ, the Lord was doing it, because he was making us meet and look to the Lord each week. So we were growing in our maturity. But he did attack him, and there was one bit where we had to write a letter back to Ebbs about how it was going, and it looked terrible. Like we'd had a terrible car crash. One of the other girl had a horrible miscarriage. This was all in the first month of us moving. Um, the other one's husband got really ill, and it felt like we were under attack. But that's because we knew it was such a good thing. We were like, "No, no, this is gonna." In a way, those trials kind of showed that through all of that, um, the Lord still strengthened and by His power. Um, yeah, we we grew and we carried on getting through the tough times. 
So yeah, it's been. Lucy, <laughs> don't ask me to do this again. <laughs> because I was last year, sorry. Sorry. And my poor husband, I'd be like, oh, do I remember that person? And that person in London who met with you and read the Bible with you, and all these different people who come back to your mind that the Lord put in your life. So discipleship's awesome, I've decided. Amazing. Oh, that is a wonderful conclusion. Lizzie, I'm going to this Oh, look at this, look at this. Uh, you're not going to talk to you. I was going to We were laughing that I could talk all about her. Uh, and how she's first going to do that. We're not going to do that. Um, and first of all, we would like to speak about family. Um, I'm really thankful to have grown up in a family um, where my close family know and love Jesus. And I know that's not true for everyone, but. Um, I'm really thankful that it's been the case for me. Um, kind of like as far back as I can remember, you know, they would have read Bible stories with me and we would have listened to tape, that shows me all that, uh, but tapes in the car uh, of Christian songs and um, Bible verses and memory verses, and it's still my most of the, the Bible verses I know I learned as a song as a child. Um, and would have prayed with me at night time and before a sewing competition and before music exams and would have taken me to church. And um, I'm really grateful for that. And um, as I've got older, you know, my mum would have um, reminded me at uni that I was working for the Lord, not for men, and um, would still... Not for men. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's really bad. It says it in the Bible. <laughs> for the ways that they point me to the Lord um, and know that they pray for the children in my class at school and I give them false names and I tell them you know this child's this going on or this child's really frustrating me and they pray for them and I know that and um, my mum will send me messages Bible verses in the morning of, of things I should remember that day um, which I find really helpful if, if it's something that's hard or I'm finding frustrating she reminds me of the truth um, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, but also they'll tell me what's going on in their church in Perth and what's exciting and who's been baptised recently. And that is really encouraging and really exciting as well. Um, so I'm really thankful for family and also, um, I guess, for a wider Christian family. So uh, after I graduated, I had a very extended gap, eight years working at a Christian outdoor centre called um, Abernethy, which I will happily talk about at length, but um, we were there kind of maybe 40 people living in quite close community and um, working together and we would um, pray together in the mornings before work and we would take it in turns to share what we'd been reading in the Bible together and we were working together so we were in mission and we were serving together and we were um, having Bible teaching together and talking about that and praying together and we were praising the Lord together <coughs> and making music together and spending time together outside of work and um, I guess an outdoor centre there's a lot of people that love the outdoors and so um, outdoors would be like this is amazing God has made this look at the stars how great our God is look at the snow on the mountains this is wonderful how great our God is um, so that was wonderfully encouraging as well and then I suppose amongst that like bigger picture um, of a big family of Christian people working together and um, with all its challenges and joys, then there would have been the few people that became very, very close friends. Um, 
uh, one of my best friends and I, we started off, she was my mentor and we read through Knowing Gods together and that was very helpful because um, it meant we kept each other accountable to keep going but that also the things that were hard or we were confused about we could discuss and try and work out together. Um, and then over time we called it mutual mentoring of just actually um, praying through what was going on in our lives and um, we used to watch Miranda if it had been a hard day and it sounds really mundane but it meant you knew that somebody noticed how you were doing and how you were feeling um, and was looking out for you in not a big fancy way but in a just a really real way um, and we used to, if one of us had a big day at work, uh, we used to be sure how set up and we would have like bacon and eggs for breakfast and I'm not very good in the morning so it got me up but also starting the day. I think we prayed, I was trying to remember earlier on, I'm pretty sure we must have prayed, um, but just to start the day like in a, a positive way and remembering the Lord rather than just being in a rush off to work. Um, and we would have you know, talked about what we'd heard in church and we would have talked about what was going on in the news in the light of um, the gospel. So um, yeah, really thankful for all of those things. Um, Lizzie and Ellie, Ellie, thank you so much. Grab a seat. I mean, I found that personally massively encouraging, and it's wonderful to hear, isn't it, of how many people the Lord has placed in one another's lives. Um, sometimes we don't realise it at the time, sometimes we do. Um, not all of us would have felt the richness of that, um, and, and that is a really hard thing. Um, but it is also a wonderful thing that we can look for, and it's right to pray for. Um, if you sat there and you thought, my heart is aching, I want some of that. Pray. The Lord is generous to provide us, seek um, other women in the church family to come alongside you and encourage you, and look out for people you too can serve. So let's turn um, in twos and in threes, and um, maybe share um, a way that you think, oh, I've never thought I could do that, or this, or this would be a really creative way for me to help my children to the Lord, or my friends to the Lord, or da da da, you know, share your <coughs> ideas, and pray together, pray for one another in this. And praise God together for all of those who have been faithful in um, speaking a word here or praying with you there or just loving you and crying with you and crying. Um, let's just spend some time in prayer. Um, twos and threes. Um, our aim tonight um, was that we might get really excited um, about how God in his great kindness provides for us. Um, that we might recognise that we actually all have an invaluable um, and vital role to play in the life of our church. Um, and to think creatively about how we can use um, the gifts and the opportunities we have to serve others, but also to accept um, the sacrificial love and service of others. And so I hope that it's been a real encouragement. Um, and I'm going to pray um, to finish us off, and then I've got one notice um, for us. But let me pray. Father God, we praise you um, tonight for the glorious... Um, good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that in him we have forgiveness and new life. Father, we do pray that together we might enjoy the Lord Jesus more and more, that we might pursue him, that we might encourage one another towards him. Lord, help us to bear one another's burdens, to challenge one another when we need challenge, to um, help one another when we stumble and doubt and fall. Lord, to love one another uh, when it's costly and it's hard and to delight when we see one another growing more and more like the Lord Jesus. 
Father, we pray that you will give us all that we need with your word and your spirit. Lord, we thank you so much that um, we have to just simply point one another towards the Lord Jesus. And that's a wonderful, a really freeing thing. Uh, Lord, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And Father, um, we do pray that each one of us might be presented pure and blameless on that final day. That each one of us here in this room tonight might be delighting in eternity together that we might be celebrating the Lord Jesus side by side in a world without suffering, without pain, uh, without grief or without death. Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.